Welcome to PS Let's Talk Love. I'm Marsha. And I'm Solvay. We're communication professors and dating and relationship coaches. And in each episode, we'll be talking about dating, love, relationships, and all their complexities. We're here to help you navigate the sometimes awful, sometimes exhilarating, and oftentimes bonkers elements of all things relationships. We want to emphasize that this podcast is separate from our teaching and research at our university jobs. It is, however, part of our desire to bring dating and relationship support to folks everywhere. Let's talk love. everyone to episode 35 today we're gonna be talking about ted lasso season one episode two and just so y'all know this was about take seven of doing this intro we got it but we got it we got it we got it so thank you for that marcia because i tried like six times first and (laughs) got all the numbers confused and words so hopefully that won't be what's happening all of this episode, but let's start with what you're loving, Marsha, or not loving, depending on what's happening today. I'm not loving some, you know what I'm not loving? What are you not loving? Weaponized incompetence. <laughs> let's talk about that term because the, the, I have only heard this term this year for the first time, and maybe our listeners have heard it more than that. That yeah, same. I feel like I first heard it on TikTok and I heard it specifically related to men in heterosexual couples. Is that was the context I heard it in as well. Yes. Yeah. Is that what you're referring to? I am not. Dustin is not weaponizing incompetence. <laughs> this is okay. not a really this is just a more general I, I feel like you can apply the term to anything, right? It's it's essentially like acting as if you don't know how to do something and making the other person like lay it out and give so many instructions that it ends up being harder to tell you to do something or ask you to do something than actually doing it yourself. That's a great, that was a great definition of that. Yeah. That's how I'm defining it anyway. So. Yeah, we get to do what we want here. So that's our yeah. definition that we're working. That's our working definition today. So you're not loving that. I mean, that makes sense to me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who would be like, I love that. <laughs> Sounds great. Maybe people that are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I I just, I've, I've actually noticed this in a few instances and interactions I've had over the last couple weeks. And it is infuriating and frustrated and and I think like I I was trying to think about why it it really like just sticks in my craw I think that's a saying right grinds my gears okay annoys the shit out of me (laughs) (laughs) enrages me to the point of screaming um all of the above the reason it is I think like I I always want to be like, just like fucking think. <laughs> and I hate when like, like, and I, I mean, I think we're all guilty of this to some degree. I'm not like, you know, I know that we all do this. To, like sometimes we just don't think, right? Like we ask a question sure. without sure. thinking through like 
the information or what we already have available to us. But there is something inherently frustrating about like, okay, even if you don't know, like even if you are genuinely asking this question, this information is available for you elsewhere. It's Mm -hmm. not like I'm not the only person or individual or entity that can give that information. Mm -hmm. And I think that is what is so frustrating, right? It's not the not knowing certain things. It's the like, why is it now my responsibility to teach you this thing or to outline this entire thing that like all of that information is readily available and reasonably you probably should know this, but at the very least you should know how to get that information. And I'm not talking about my students. I just want to say most of the time. (laughs) Sometimes I am when they ask me questions that are on the guidelines that they have available to them that I showed them. Sometimes I do do get annoyed at that. But I'm not really talking about like, yes, I know I have to teach my students. I mean. Others. Other people. (laughs) (laughs) The others. Isn't that from Lost? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot about that. Yeah, um, I think it's interesting to think about. I mean, you are so good. I've had interactions with you in the past. I know where I've asked you something and you've been like, oh, I think you can Google that. Like, I think you're really good at being, like, sometimes reminding people when they forget that actually, like, maybe you don't know, but you also don't need to be responsible. So I just want to say yeah. that I have heard you say that to me before and thought, oh, yeah, I can Google that. So, uh, you know, there, I, I think there is some, maybe some level sometimes of just, uh, Wait, so if it's not weaponized incompetence, it's just incompetence. Anyways. I guess it's just incompetence. I'm not sure what my point is there, but like, <laughs> but I think it sounds like what's frustrating you specifically is when it's done repeatedly. Is that mm-hmm. for you? I mean, I guess I'm wondering, and this is just a random thought, when does it become, when does something become like what feels to be weaponized? That that's a really good question, and it's. I think that's hard, or I haven't spent time thinking specifically. I think the repetition, right? It's the repeated instances over a short yeah. amount of time, and and I think like I do some. Well, sometimes people like you'll ask me something or someone, and I won't necessarily know the answer, but I'll be like, well, I I would Google it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I always do. I do for anything. <laughs> It's a great reminder, though, sometimes when I'm like, oh, yeah, we do have that thing. We do have that thing we can do. <laughs> and and like the, I've also had, for the record, many friends who have said that to me where I've said something. They're like, I don't know, but you could Google it. I'm like, oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> great, yep. great, great, great yep. reminder. Right? Yep. That's why I say we all have those moments of like, oh, well, yeah, I didn't yeah. think of, I didn't think that through. And and so I feel like I, I tend to have a lot of grace with that because yeah. like yeah. we all we all do that. Yeah. Or even just in a matter of conversation, we're like, oh, I wonder about this. Or I wonder, how did how do you do that? And then having someone yeah. remind you that you could look it up and we have these resources at most of us at our fingertips yes. is helpful. Yeah. So that, I think, I guess, I suppose, if I'm really thinking about this and how appropriate that we've just been spending so much time talking about Ted Lasso, because this is yeah. kind of a Ted Lassoism, is I think the thing that like if I really break it down to the core is a lack of curiosity and a mm. lack of initiative. Like that is what what triggers me about weaponized incompetence is like you're not even trying to find the answer. Mm-hmm. You're not even trying to think this through. You're just like putting all of the onus on me. In in this, I mean, right? Like in this case, me. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that is that that is. I think that's a really great way of describing the 
how it then, because the weaponized incompetence is, is on some level someone's perception, right? Like the other person may or may not. We, we don't know yet if the other person is an evil genius who is <laughs> doing this in a way to right. to be, uh, you know, destructive in, in a relationship. Certainly that's possible too. People mm-hmm. are manipulative in those ways. Or if it is just somebody not knowing and not thinking to be proactive about something themselves, have the initiative in a repeat in, a, in an interaction that you're having repeatedly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a fair point too. About like we don't ever necessarily know somebody's intention, and I, I do. I think what I struggle with with the, this in particular too is because I don't. I don't feel like I would ever intentionally weaponize incompetence like mm-hmm. I so to me I'm like well are you doing this like I think it, it's also a struggle because I'm like so are you just like not curious and have no initiative are you I guess are you doing this on purpose but on purpose is not my immediate go-to explanation for something I know. yeah I, I know I know it's not I think yeah. if it were then we might be like mm, are we sure but no this is I think in this situation that we won't share totally here because yeah. that's not appropriate um there are there's enough happening that it does sound to me like a, a situation that could be called that yeah it just it and I think that's also frustrating because it's a the whole like Identity-wise, I want to be a person who is gracious and generous. And now I'm like, now you're making me like think mean, like mean things about you and not you, you, Solve, you, you know, know, the person. And then, and so there's also that, like, uh, it's just it's complicated. It is annoying, and I feel like I'm spending a lot more time thinking about it than this other person. So I'm gonna bring in the another term that you may or may not like, which is the idea of someone being an energy vampire. Uh-huh. And I okay. think that in this particular circumstance, this is also a person who, for whatever reason, for whatever reason we don't we don't need to know why, they're also like think about how much energy you are spending on this situation. So I think, much. Right, right. And not only that you're having to make up, you know, for this person's lack of initiative and curiosity but also how much energy it's causing you to think through like what's happening and do they mean this and why are they doing this and I want to have grace for people but I am frustrated in this situation I think this is a really interesting example of when that term to me is also appropriately used of someone who's taking so much of your energy and you can't necessarily explain why like I think that's what flags me in this situation is like you don't know exactly what's happening with this person it's possible if they explain to you like that they you know, all kinds of things. You might have an un- a better understanding of what's happening. But what I'm hearing in this situation, and again, we didn't talk about all of this online, is that this person is not explaining to you their weaponizing incompetence. They're not taking initiative. They're not being curious. And they're not giving you much to work with in terms of how to have compassion for them. In which case, to me, it does sound like it may be some kind of manipulative tactic. Mm-hmm. And those things are so confusing, right? So I think I just I just want to highlight that, that it does sound like just the thing to do. And, and this is like in my understanding of working, navigating energy vampire situations is to uh, just cut off caring, like stop caring, yeah. which is really, really fucking hard for people like you and me who care a lot. 
Yeah. And probably all of our listeners, probably all of our listeners, because you're listening to this, right? So if you, that is a really hard thing to do when you're recognizing, and 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 I'm using the term loosely because I think at different points we can all be an energy vampire. We might all have a day where we're an energy vampire. I'm talking about like ongoing situations with people where they're just sucking your energy, whether intentionally or not. It's it, that's that's happening here. Yeah, I think that that is very good advice <laughs> because I think that that's what I have to do, right? Like what I'm, I, I tried, I actually tried a couple of days ago. I was like, okay, I can't let this keep getting to me. And, and I did, I was doing better and then there was just another incident. Yeah. And so it like, I need to just be in the mentality. I was, I was actually just talking to somebody about how earlier this week I was like, okay, this is not, I'm not going to focus on the things I can't control. Like there's, yeah. if there's nothing, I can't control other people. I can't always know their intention. I need to focus on the things that like are within my control and release like the ruminating about mm-hmm the whys and what the fuck is going on and but like you said it's so hard like yeah I mean it's definitely easier said than done it's much easier for me to be like just stop caring so much right (laughs) when you're not in the situation but but it is um I just think there's something in this situation that is flagging me of you know like red flag red flag when I'm saying flagging me it's like there's red flags here of what's happening and again we don't know the situation we don't know why but we do know that this is causing a pretty major effect on you in terms of stress and yeah and yeah. just exhaustion so i think yeah when we notice ourselves really ruminating on someone else's behavior it's worth thinking like how much time have i spent yeah that, that's... how much energy have i spent on this particular person and is is it warranted because in this time in this case it doesn't seem like this person's giving you much back yeah that's Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Great- I didn't know we were going to go there. I didn't even have that. That, that is the magic of the conversation. <laughs> the magic of the microphones in front of us. <laughs> that, thank you. That, that yeah. is actually super, super helpful. I don't know why I said actually as if I didn't expect you to have helpful <laughs> feedback. That th- this, this, this has been helpful for me because I do, I need, this is a good reminder to like reframe this and release some things and take a deep breath like I tell all my students yeah take a deep breath and yeah Tiff definitely take a deep breath remember everything goes your way everything goes my way so Every something's going your way um, yeah what else do we need to uh what else do we need to remind ourselves of more than one thing is true at a time <laughs> all of the things we <laughs> good time to make t-shirts all yeah, of our really phrases. Listeners, do you want some merch? <laughs> <laughs> I know somebody who could design it. <laughs> um, anyway. Yes, yeah. Well, and also listeners, let us know if you want us to talk about energy vampires more sometime. That's, yeah. that, that term is an interesting one, and it's, it's something that has helped me over the years um, being super sensitive and caring a lot about what other what other people think, but what's going on with other people. I have a, I can put a lot of energy into that, and so I've had to recognize. And I'm I have not perfected this, but I have gotten better at starting to recognize when I'm putting energy, especially when someone else isn't putting the energy in when it's not mutual. Yeah, yeah, this mm-hmm. is helpful. See, you're so wise. Oh, thanks. Kind of like Ted Lasso. Oh, wow. High praise. I'll <laughs> receive that. 
I kind of feel like this is a t- you were you. Were, I mean, Ted Lasso is very much about mentorship, right? Like the show, I feel like has a lot of mentorship, yeah. and I feel I feel mentored in this moment. <laughs> awesome, thanks. <laughs> anyway, um, how about you? How are you? <laughs> What are you loving? <laughs> I'm well, and I have some just some like lighter things to share today <laughs> in a oh, in a tone a shift. Balance. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a tone shift. I am loving this week, particularly listening to podcasts while I'm at the gym, and oh. I just listened to two podcast episodes that I just feel like I want to recommend to everybody because both of them made me really happy, and I think they would be similarly of interest for our podcast listeners. So the first one was, um, and you, I think you might listen to these. I mean, you listen to more podcasts than I do, but um, the first one was the Reimagining Love podcast with Dr. Alexander Solomon. Mm, I haven't heard of it. Super, super cool. Really awesome. And what you, what you have not heard of this, but what you have heard of is that she interviewed the Gottmans and Ooh. she interviewed them about their new book. And so the episode, and we'll link it in the show notes, is called How to Love Well, The Little Things That Change Everything with um, with Dr. Gottman, both Dr. Gottmans, <laughs> um, the couple. And apparently they have a new book that's come out that I actually want to check out. And it sounds really like a really awesome book. And the interview itself brought up some really interesting topics. I mean, as I think any interview with the Gottmans does and and things that I hadn't heard before. And I think you and I have done a lot of paying attention to the Gottman's research, but specifically the one of the conversations that they had that I thought might be interesting for some of our listeners is about there's a there's a listener question where someone writes in and asks um, it's a it's a woman in a heterosexual relationship who writes in to say that she wants to have deeper conversations with her partner and she's struggling to figure out how to do that. And they have a really neat conversation about suggestions mm. and ideas about that that made me think about many of our some of my own experiences in dating, things that we have supported some of our clients with in terms of dating or relationships where people are longing for more depth. And and that's something I find myself noticing in my own life. So it was helpful personally. And also, yeah, there was just some great suggestions in, in addition to lots of other things in the conversation. Cool. It sounds like a good one. Yeah. So that's one hot rack. And then the other one, which what just has delighted me and made me laugh a lot was the We Can Do Hard Things podcast episode interview with Melissa McCarthy, the comedian. I think it just okay. dropped this week and I was listening and laughing. I mean, you, you know how you sometimes you're like, haha, like you kind of laugh in your head, but you don't actually laugh out loud. I was like, I was definitely laughing out loud. You were lolling. Some of, I was actually lolling um, uh, at some of Melissa McCarthy's comments. And, and I mean, she's just funny anyway and hearing yeah. more of her story and her personality and who she is. And not only that, they talk a lot about her marriage and her marriage – just sounds really wonderful. She also has a really great part that she shares about her relationship with her parents and how supportive her parents were, I'll just say, of of her being a stand-up comedian, which is really delightful. So I feel like there's a lot of little, like, really great takeaways around relationships in the in the conversation as well. Plus, it's she, if you like Melissa McCarthy, she's just so funny that it's yeah. quite a delight to listen to. So... Those are my recommendations this week. And those are things I'm loving this week. Listening to podcasts at the gym that actually make me laugh while I'm lifting weights. 
that is that is lovely and fun. I had I usually listen to We Can Do Hard Things, but I had not seen that episode yet. So I think I it just came out this it. week. Yeah, oh, I think it just okay. came out this week. I, I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, I, do you like Melissa McCarthy? Oh yeah, I love her. Yeah, super, super funny. And I'm not even, I'm not doing it injustice in any way in terms of all the things they talk about. So listeners, if you need, if you need to think about your marriage or your relationship more, the reimagining loved one would be great for you. If you want to just laugh or think about parenting or any, all kinds of other things, listen to the Melissa McCarthy interview and we'll link both those in the show notes. Ooh, okay. I'm going to listen to both of them. Those are my hot racks. Those are my hot racks. I also just want to say last week you recommend – I think it was last week? Anyway, sometime recently you recommended watching Welcome to Wrexham. Uh And I did watch some of it with my parents. I was visiting. It was my dad's 75th birthday last week and I was visiting and and – we watched some of Welcome to Wrexham. So this was a pair of okay to watch with pair. Although they uh-huh. do cuss a lot in it. Yeah. <laughs> but some, I think somehow my mom's getting over it. Maybe if it's in a British accent, she's okay with it. It does sound fancier in a British accent. I guess actually in thinking about it, she left after the first episode. But I did watch like four episodes with my dad. And that was cool. <laughs> Anyway, I'm glad it was that a good you guys recommendation. Enjoyed it. Yeah, my dad and I definitely did. Make us maybe not my mom. Maybe not your mom. <laughs> but we had a good time watching it. So thank you for that recommendation. I feel like I, I, I'm eager to watch more of it, and also I feel like it does really nicely pair for anyone who it's like a pairing if anybody needs Mm -hmm. a pairing for your Ted Lasso watching it does pair quite nicely I don't know which wine to recommend with that but those shows yeah I would recommend like a cider with them that feels more British well I don't drink beer so cider I feel like that would pair well with it with both of them (laughs) I'm gonna recommend a vino verde because I just really like those right now (laughs) so I'm just gonna tell you all the things I like Okay, well, I like cider, and I just tried a pineapple mango Ooh. cider from Costco. Ooh. Very good. Okay. Yeah. We're was... full of hot wrecks today, yeah, y'all. We... Oh, wait. Okay, wait. I have one question. <laughs> Sorry, guys, if this check-in is long. Um, the... Have you watched the new show that is about the Anchorage Daily News, basically? Oh, 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 yeah. I did mean to bring that up. I did watch the first episode. Is there more than one episode now? No. It, it, it just The first episode was Thursday. And so we're recording on Wednesday. So tomorrow, the next episode comes out. What did you think? I did watch it. I, well, Hilary Swank's an amazing actor. So that was very cool. I love that, that, um, that they're in it. And, uh, the, yeah, I thought it was really fun to see just footage of Anchorage. Mostly. (laughs) I was like, this is fun. (laughs) I had the same feeling. I got kind of emotional. I was like, oh. Like, all these people are seeing this. That's our city. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also have had, like, several friends who were reporters through the newspaper Uh here. So that was also just fun. And I've been curious how they perceive the show as well. So I I had some questions about that. Like, I wonder how some of these people are perceiving this if they're watching it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I thought they did. uh, I mean, I think it's really, really... uh, Neat seems like the wrong word, but I appreciate that the show is also highlighting missing Indigenous women. Um, I think that is a really like interesting angle for a show that I, I really value and appreciate. So, um, yeah, what did you think? 
Yeah, I I mean I I really enjoyed seeing the city in it. I um I also so I think it's based on a real series of articles, real reporting that mm. happened. Okay. Um and I'm forgetting the name of the reporter, but it, he won like a Pulitzer for it. it. Was part of a team that won a Pulitzer for it. it was pretty recently, like within the last few years. I mean, I think it's based on that, but it's like loosely like the the reporting part is based. The character, not necessarily. Um. Anyway, I there was a couple things like we were watching it. Like, okay, like are they going to get Alaska right or not? Because yeah. I feel like. When Alaska is depicted in media, a lot of times it is not like you're, oh, clearly nobody from Alaska worked on this. I'm thinking of that movie. Uh, Nicholas Cage was in it. It was about the serial killer. Oh, yeah, I never watched that. But yeah. He pronounced Kenai Kanai. No, in the <laughs> movie? No. In the movie. He was like, down the Kanai. And I was like, nope, absolutely not. Oh, no. No. Nope. Okay. Which, like, I get that somebody who isn't from here wouldn't know how to pronounce it, but like, Somebody who works your homework. It's very common. (laughs) Do your homework, right? Do your homework, Nicholas Cage. Um, But so we were kind of watching it with that. And I thought that they did a pretty good job. I feel like they did the best that I've seen. They're like they called one of the characters said snow machining instead of snowmobiling. Mm. And I was like, that was important. That's an important distinction. Anyone who's listening who's not from Alaska, Alaskans call it snow machining, not snowmobiling. For the most part. I mean, sometimes you'll hear right, something. Right, right. Yeah. But it's a snow machine, not a snowmobile. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I did get, I was like, Dustin and I both yelled at the TV. There is a scene where she, like, wakes up at this cabin, and it. we were like, where is that view? For sure. Like, she was, like, ostensibly in Anchorage, but then it was, like, this beautiful view, and he's like, that's Turnigan Arm. I'm like, no, it's, where are you? Where are you that you would have that view and you're close to Anchorage? You would not. Living there, right. I mean, hope, if they had driven from hope. Yeah, but, like, it was 45 minutes from, and then we were like, okay, he goes, 45 minutes from Anchorage, and we're like, where would he be? Where would they be? Eagle River? That's not Eagle River. And then we're like, I guess Girdwood, but that's not the view from Girdwood, and no one would have a house right there in Girdwood. This doesn't track. Yeah, I did think that, too. You're right. You're right. I did. I did have that thought to myself. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of a lot, Ted Lasso. Welcome to episode two of our Ted Lasso recap. Why? Well, yeah, it's our episode two and it's Ted Lasso's episode two that we're recapping, just for clarity's sake. Yeah, it's like not our episode two. It's not our overall episode two, but it's our right. episode two of focusing on Ted Lasso. Yes. It's and technically it's also Ted Lasso episode two. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, we got that out of the way. You all clear on that now? <laughs> Everyone know? Does it matter to anyone? Probably not. We're going to talk about Ted Lasso, episode two, Biscuits. That's the name of the episode. Directed by, this is a kind of a callback to our own podcast. Do you, did you catch who it's directed by? No. Zach Braff. <gasps> this, oh, no, I did not notice that. Cool. Yes. Just a fun little piece of trivia. I'm full of those. You know, can't do math, but I know that. Anyway, let's talk about... 
episode two of Ted Lasso. And we're going to break this down in a couple ways. First, we'll do a quick recap for you all. Hopefully you have watched it. If not, spoilers. <laughs> Just Lots of spoilers. Spoilers. And, and then we have a few themes that we identified that we thought would be fun to kind of dig into and look at some examples. Yeah. So a quick recap of this episode. It seems like we pick up the next day directly after the first episode ends. Um, we see Ted doing his first day, like in full, I almost said captain, not captain, full coach mode, manager mode. Um, we start to get a little bit more sense of where he is, like the the town of Richmond, like what it's like, which by the way, it's adorable. Um, and um, and we see Ted kind of connecting, starting to connect with a few different folks along the way, including some townspeople and um, sitting down for the first installment of Biscuits with the Boss with Rebecca. Uh, we see Ted and uh, Beard leading practice for the first time, starting to get a sense of some team dynamics there, including uh, some of the, it seems like some tension between Jamie and Roy that we kind of see peppered throughout the episode. Uh, we learn a little bit more about a few of the players that we'll dig into more when we get into the full discussion about the episode. Um, let's see. We also see Ted's first game that he coaches that does not go great. They lose. Uh, and we see them celebrate Sam's birthday. And we learn at the end of the episode that Ted is the one baking the biscuits all along. What else happened? Oh, and Rebecca had a whole ploy to photograph Keeley and Ted together to cause a rift between Ted and the players. Yep, we start to see Rebecca seeing what she can do to get things, yeah, to mess things up. It seems she's like. continuing her evil plan. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, great summary. Good. Thank you. <laughs> also, most importantly. We got a lot of shirtless Roy Kent in this episode, and I was not mad. You are hilarious. I forgot about that part. I was like, oh, shirtless Roy Kent. Another shirtless. He's like shirtless the whole episode. It makes me so happy. I love well, see, it. Now, last episode, you said I should be paying attention to the nonverbals of Beard. So that was what I was paying more attention I, to. I was blinded by Roy Kent's chest hair. I was like, please, yes. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. More of this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, listeners, perhaps you felt that way as well. How did you, listeners, how did you feel about Roy Kent and his chest hair? Let us know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we tried to break this down a little bit into some themes. You know, we're trying in, obviously, we're still talking love here and connection and communication and relationships. And so we really wanted to pull out some pieces and parts to explore today that might be useful for you to think about in your relationships as well as you apply all of Ted Lasso to your relationships. You're welcome. So one of the things that we noticed in this episode was really a theme of resilience. Do you want to speak to that some more, Marsha? Yeah, so I noticed this episode picks off literally right. It's like they went to sleep and woke up and it was the next day and that's the start of this episode. So is my understanding is like this is the day two of him being there. And we know from the first episode, like it was not 
a great day. It was rough. He had that rough press conference. He like had just that night before had an awkward conversation with his wife who he might be separated from, right? Like there he's gotten called a wanker like 4 million times. <laughs> he definitely wasn't received well when he arrived. And so this is the next day and I just thought what was interesting is like it, it shows him waking up and like puts on his clothes, he brushes his hair and is like ready to take on the day and seems to have really released a lot of the things that you could see weighing on him and that some of that darkness that we saw at the end of the last episode that was, it seems, the night before. And I just think that that's such a great thing to highlight about Ted. Like it helps us understand this character, but I think it's also a valuable thing to keep in mind, like just in general, is that is a valuable way to walk through life is being able to brush off or at least compartmentalize those things that happen to be like, okay, this is a new day. Like, let's do this. Mm, yeah, I love that point. And it really seems like we get some insight into into an idea that I think is what you speak to, right? When we see this like fast forward, right? To seeing mm -hmm. a, a scene with Sam and other players on the soccer field and Sam, whatever, looks upset about something that's happened and Ted calls him over and encourages him to be a goldfish, right? To mm -hmm. have what what is the animal that has the shortest memory in being a goldfish? And that is not only seems to be useful for Sam in the moment. It's a it's a it's a scene that's often I see you see that scene a lot when you see clips of uh, of Ted Lasso, right? Um, that it seems to not only be useful for Sam, but also maybe some insight into the way that Ted is able to move through his world and move through things as well. I mean, though he doesn't say that. That's not what's described in the scene. It mm -hmm. is like a possible. Thing that maybe we could all use a little bit more of as I'm thinking about it right now. I'm like, in what parts of my life might I be more of a goldfish? <laughs> yeah, well, and I think I think what's valuable about it is, like, I pl I played sports for many years. I played basketball all the way into through college, and there is something very specific about sports where it's you have to forget the thing, the mistake you just made because, mm. like, you have to release it because if you dwell on it it's going to cause a mistake the next time down the field or the court mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Like It's going to psych you out, basically. It, it totally is. You can't be in yeah. your head because so much of sport is like instinct and not thinking. It's, at, it's just mm -hmm. doing. Mm -hmm. And that is also true in a lot of life, right? Like oh. when we get out of our own heads and just like go with our instincts and move through the world and not like overanalyze things, we tend to find a lot more success. And so mm -hmm. while like I can see the implication of this with the sport, I'm like, oh God, this works so well in life, right? Like how yeah. many times do you screw up in some way or say the wrong thing or I don't know, just do something that you then dwell on mm -hmm. and that ends up impacting you for hours, days, weeks, like, Sure. Ruminating can really, really go on for a long time. Yeah. And so this this idea is almost like the, uh, in some ways, I want to say it's an antidote. In, in one of my classes today, we were talking about how our brains have a negativity bias. I think we've talked about that here as well a bit. Like we tend to notice the negative. And be a goldfish is 
a, a bit of an antidote to that, right? Like, yeah. yeah, notice, sure, of course, of course, notice that something hard has happened or something tough has happened. And obviously, there are times where we really, you know, we're not saying to not not feel your feelings and be with your emotions and understand what you need to feel, you know, if when things we perceive as negative are occurring, like, sometimes we need to spend some time on those things. But also, this, this is really helpful, even when I think about like, um, some of you might have heard of Dr. Susan David's work with emotional agility that eventually after you feel what you feel, you want to move on, right? You don't always want to spend so much time thinking about the thing that was hard or the thing that makes you feel horrible. You eventually move out of that tough feeling into hopefully moving forward in your life in ways that feel aligned. So it makes me think of that too. Like be a goldfish is so useful. Yeah, it also makes me think of a thing I think we've said on here, and I know I say all the time, is every emotion is temporary, right? Like acknowledging that, acknowledging that whatever you're feeling, like it's okay, you can just release it. It it is temporary. I I think I just think that that's such a valuable way to go through life, and I think one of the cool things about this show and the way they depict like Ted, at least right now, is that he's able to do that. Like to it seems acknowledge that that thing happened and then just move on and like face the day with resilience right like that is kind of the the definition of resilience is you know taking some knocks and getting back up and not letting it affect you yeah and i think the only thing i would add to that that is maybe i don't want to get ahead of the game but we also want to be really careful not to repress emotions right like feel the emotion let yourself feel it through usually those feelings move do move through us like you're saying they're temporary but we will also want to make sure not to like repress the emotion right yeah and and i mean maybe we'll see some of that we might see some of that yeah I, just a bit of foreshadowing. Just a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I suppose, I, I guess one last note about the resilience of it all is while we, we do see Ted being resilient, we also see a little bit of, of something that's still going on. Like when he is standing in the practice field, you see him like look at his hands and kind of like, like it seems like um something's going on right like he's feeling something and he like it's almost shaking or his hands are like kind of stuck in claws a little bit and he puts them mm-hmm. in his pocket and he just sort of like continues on and beard kind of looks at him funny and then they he changes the subject and i think that like that might be an indication potentially of some sort of repression or or some some of the lasting effects of the day before right like just because you continue on and decide like okay I'm gonna like have a better a good attitude today I'm gonna take on the day like that's not to say that some of those things aren't going to be lingering a little bit yeah absolutely yeah yeah Yeah, that's a really good point um and that you don't I mean also in that that's interesting I also interpreted that and maybe you did as well as um as some nerves for the beginning of something which I think is nice to see the humanity if that is Mm -hmm. if that is also him feeling a little because I think don't they have some sort of uh, uh, discussion about how they're just kids right beard says something like they're just kids and then ted's like but they're not kids and there's all these awesome players that are out there and so ted being human if he is feeling some nerves or whatever's happening there i just also want to acknowledge that he he's really good at bringing humanity to lots of different situations and that's another example of that too yeah well they had that whole discussion at the start about first day of school and like some nerves right yeah 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 
Yeah, which I resonated. I, I feel like I was thinking about you. I was like, we've had a lot of first days of school. I don't even know if I get nervous anymore. <laughs> I still get a little bit nervous. Yeah. It's kind of, and I'm like, oh, okay, there you are, nerves. I think it's just my neural pathways are used to it. Like, there's a little bit of nerves that come on that first day. But also, we've been doing the same thing for a while. Ted's doing a new thing in this situation. Yes, yes, yes. totally. It's it's very different, <laughs> I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and to wrap up that resilience, I think what we see toward, or I mean, throughout the episode, but then we see again at the end is how Ted reemphasizes that be a goldfish resilient mentality of letting things go. So at the end, mm -hmm. the team loses, but it's still Sam's birthday and they're still a team and they still have cake and they kind of just like let it go because they're, at some point there isn't much you can do, right? Like... Yeah, the game uh, is over. Yeah, yeah. The game, the game was played, and you can talk about it again at the next practice. But in that moment, there's nothing anyone can do other than enjoy the moment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great illustration of that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So in this episode, we also see, and we'll see this throughout. We'll probably talk about this in different ways through many episodes. Is the different kinds of connections that are being made, and the different ways connection is illustrated. Um, we see. Uh, there's so many great dynamics between so many characters. We're not going to talk about them all, of course, because we, we probably couldn't. This would be like a three-hour episode, right? We, <laughs> we, we're not going to make it that long. Um, but we do, you know, just in highlighting some of the ways that we see connection between people, we see some really great interactions between Ted and Rebecca and the you know, whether it's starting off with Biscuits and the Boss and seeing um, that he is – thoughtful enough to think to bring cookies or biscuits to Rebecca and and that sort of connection that starts being formed even though she's like I'm not gonna do this with you every morning like this is nope we're not doing this you can see that there's a a bit of enjoyment right what would yeah. you say about that I think I feel like throughout every interaction that they have, especially in this episode, you can see that she like, she kind of, she does engage. Like when he comes in with the box that his son sent, she reacts and he's like, oh, it's this and it's a kazoo and blah, blah. And she like is reacting. She's not like, get out of my office. She's sort of on board. Even when he early on asks her about, he said what first conference, First concert, best First concert. concert. Yeah. She's like Spice Girls. Spice Girls and Spice Girls. <laughs> right. She answers. So she's yeah. like has this willingness to engage, even though you can also it's like this you can almost see the push pull or the pull in different directions happening in real time as she like is sort of being uh like enticed by his positivity and his like, come on, I'm trying to bring you in, I'm trying to bring you in and then she like it's like she's kind of reaching and then it's like, no, 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 and takes her hand away. Um, yeah. Because, like, you know, she's still she's still on this mission that she has decided is, is the thing that is going to heal her, which is seeking revenge on this man who, like, really crushed her and embarrassed her. her we see that tension, like, starting to form in her already of, like, mm -hmm. oh, I – this person sort of entertains me but and is sort of endearing, but mm -hmm. also I have this other thing I was supposed to do. So we see a really interesting connection forming between the two of them in this episode. I I want to ask you, because I know this is mm -hmm. a discussion all the time for, mm -hmm. for folks who watch the show. 
after this episode, does it make you rethink, do you feel like they are soulmates? You mentioned this sometime recently. I can't remember yeah. if it was in... Um, no, I don't I don't have that feeling yet. I can see I almost feel like the show makes you kind of be curious about that. My my sense is that there's an invitation to think that way, but I haven't yet felt that way. How about you? Mm-hmm. I think that they might be soulmates, but I don't think that they are romantic soulmates. There's something oh, Yeah. Okay. Okay. I thought you were asking, are yeah. they gonna like get together? Is that what you meant? What did what are you what did you mean? No, I, I just mean like, do does it seem like they have some sort of intrinsic connection? I suppose. Like I, I do think I they think... mirror each other. Hmm. I think they I think they mirror each other in some interesting yeah. ways. Yeah. How so? Well, not in that they're doing the same thing, but you mentioned this in our last episode that they're they're going through some similar things, right? They're going through endings of relationships. They're both in leadership positions. They, as we go on, I don't want to say too much more about like what continues to happen, but there are different things that continue to happen between them where it's like, um, we just see a a kinship or something like a kindred spirit situation. I think we see this Mm -hmm. more and more as the episodes go on where, they look out for one another and it's almost like they recognize different experiences that the other ones had through again I like I feel like I'm going to just talk about other things that happened further on but what do you notice well I was noticing in this episode there was a press conference and then like one of the reporters asked Rebecca about something related to her ex like another uh, affair or a woman had come up and said that he had cheated with her anyway um and, and Rebecca handled it well, right? Like, she kind of brushed it off. She made a joke. She, like, is clearly, like, very good at masking and being a professional and just, like, handling it and repressing how she's feeling or hiding it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, I watched Ted in that scene, and he is looking at her with care and concern. Like, mm-hmm. and I I just think, and the same thing, like, they already have a little, like, ba-da-da-da-da rapport that is kind of interesting to watch like he is she's like we are not doing the biscuits with the boss and he's like absolutely not will not and he starts going she goes you're going to be here tomorrow huh like she knew she knew and he's like yes and i i think like she already kind of gets them or they get Mm -hmm. each other Mm -hmm. and i just Mm -hmm. think that that is so interesting to watch and and maybe kindred spirits is a better way to say i i think of soulmates as not necessarily romantic i think like it's just like people whose souls are connected and like they're meant to find each other but it doesn't have to be in a romantic way and so okay when you put it that way yeah I (laughs) yes I definitely see that for me those words are like kindred spirits like you see something and you recognize in someone a spark that is like and it sounds like we're saying just like different semantics like Mm -hmm. different words for the same concept that you like recognize something in someone where you're like we know each other yeah it, it seems like right like I feel like they see each other. And mm-hmm. I, I actually think he specifically sees her quite well already. Like he already, he, he, he somehow knew that those biscuits were like going to make her feel connected, right? Like he said something about like, brings you right back to your childhood. Do you have any food like that? And she like looks at those cookies and he, he yeah. observed that. Yeah. And, and so like there's something that he gets about her 
And I also think, and this is just maybe me projecting, <laughs> but I also think that like he is so dead set on connecting with her, right? Like he is like, I mean, and granted he does that with everyone, but like she's resistant and he's like, oh no, absolutely not. We're gonna, we're gonna keep doing this. And I think that part of that is like, he can feel that she wants that and needs that. Like she seems very isolated in what we see mm-hmm. of her. She's, it's always kind of mm-hmm. her and she's stiff and there's always a desk between her and the other person or, right. She's like kind of got this, stiff like exterior and and it seems like he can kind of see that like she wants somebody to break that down or she like mm-hmm. wants it but is scared mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking I mean he is just I love that I love that and I think I mean on some level I see that I don't I, well here's my question then I don't necessarily see that as particular to her it seems like that is what he does it seems yeah. like that's part of his magic you know I, like it's his personal magic <laughs> to like <laughs> go through and like see these people and see what it is I mean it's clearly like it to me it's what makes him such a strong leader and we're going to get to that in a minute but also he is He's just aware. He's very aware and thoughtful of the people around him. I mean, you because you, you even see it with Higgins, right? Like he's already got Higgins making word plays on Caesar. You later, you know, like he's already <laughs> he's already drawn him in. And what it's like day two, right? Mm-hmm. There's already this sort of this kinship that he's able to create with people through what seems to me like very much seeing them and paying attention. Yeah, that is a good point that he does do that with it's like everyone. his genius. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I mean, it's like his genius. When I say personal magic, I mean like his zone of genius is like being able to see people and like know it seems to me that's what makes him able to coach in a new mm-hmm. culture and a new dynamic and a new sport and also I mean, I don't know. I guess we could argue whether he's good at it or not, but like at least you know, support the team to mm-hmm. build a team, build more of a team with one another. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Well, and I think that that segues really nicely into what we wanted to talk about too, is that how does that connection help facilitate the team into becoming better? Because he clearly doesn't know the sport of football, of of European football. So like, what is he going to do? What is he bringing to this? And it seems like, like, as you said, that's kind of his superpower. It seems like he knows that. Right. Like I can't. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think he does. Yeah. Yeah. He has to know that this is what he brings, that it doesn't it Mm -hmm. it transcends the like logistics of the sport or or sport in general. It is this is what he brings is helping people to like to feel seen and develop the best parts of themselves and like operate at their peak, whether it's sport or any other part of their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and we see that. I mean, we see it. We've already talked about him noticing Sam and being able to mm-hmm. pull Sam and say, be a goldfish, right? He also is already, we see him already asking like, hey, what's going on with Sam? And someone says it's tw- Sam's 20th birthday. And he notices that and notices that he's been away from home and that maybe those things are impacting him. Like he's already noticing mm-hmm. um, the players and players who clearly have potential as well right in this in the team um at least according you know i mean also yeah so we see that we see that already happening 
Right. And we also saw him. So we see him connect with Sam a couple times, right? We see him on the field with the be a goldfish. And then at the toward the end of the episode in the locker room, when they first celebrate Sam's birthday, he kind of goes over and has a little bit of a moment with him where there's a little bit of disclosure on Ted's part, too, where he like talks about being homesick and being away and how he misses his son which is, you know, that's a disclosure, that's a vulnerability. And then we see Sam, like, accept that and reciprocate. And he, like, he talks about his dad. And they have, like, this really lovely little moment where they both shared a little bit. And they're, I mean, we, we've talked at length about disclosures on this podcast, that that's what helps us feel connected and, and helps develop trust, right, mm-hmm. is when we disclose information about ourselves. And so, you know, you see that connection that Ted strives for. We see him use disclosure for it. And then it have like really positive impact. We see at the end of the episode that like Sam had a great game (laughs) and like these little things helped that. Yeah. And we also see Sam being willing to not only say like, oh, I had this, you know, I had this my dad used to do something similar or whatever, whatever he says, but also that he says, Hey, actually, I don't want this American military toy. (laughs) Like this is actually not going to make me feel good. And that's interesting that I think that's interesting that Sam is willing to be authentic. I mean, it's something that we, we see a lot of emotional courage from Sam throughout the whole, um, Sam's character has a lot of emotional courage. And this is like a first example of him being like, Hey, this isn't what this doesn't mean to me what it means to you right now. And mm-hmm. so it's it's great that he also Ted is creating a culture even in two days where people can be authentic. Yeah. I, and Ted it receives it, right? He's like, Yeah, right, oh, yeah. right, right. I got it. Yep. Good yep. point. Yep. He gets yep. it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Those are great conversations to be able to have. Right, right. I think, yeah. And and also, I just feel like it's worth noting right now, because we're talking about Sam, that Sam is a character that my dog, Obi, is named after. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Obasanya. Same. Beloved character. Beloved, beloved character. character. I also just want to highlight something about... Um, not only connection, but leadership there. You know, one thing that I've been trying to do more in groups that I facilitate, and I don't always, I don't always say this, it depends on the context of the group that I'm facilitating. But I think what we also see in that interaction with Sam, um, so one thing that I've been trying to say is like, if I miss some part of your identity, if I overlook an intersection of your identity that is mattering to you, but I do not see in some way, somehow I miss it, Mm -hmm. like to please call me in, to please let me know because I want to know those things and I care. And I think this interaction with Sam and Ted is is a really beautiful one in that Sam in a kind really kind way and maybe he's not thinking I'm going to call Ted in but he just says like this doesn't mean this to me like this is a part an important part of my identity and and just like you said Ted is also able to receive that and say oh yeah like colonial colonialism right like yeah I get why this wouldn't actually be comforting to you and actually wouldn't feel good to you that's that's a beautiful example of how two people with different intersections of their identity two different lived experiences 
can build more understanding with one another through being authentic and also being kind. And whereas, you know, that that conversation with both people could have gone really different directions if there had been shaming taking place or, you know, a defensiveness on Ted's part for whatever the things are like that was a really beautiful interaction. Yeah, I think I, I, I agree. I think that like you said that beautifully. And I also think like this is such a great example of using, showing how to have those conversations without preaching, right? Like this is such a beautiful Mm -hmm. way of being like, look, it doesn't, you don't have, we don't have to have like a very special episode about this. We can show you like, hey, you can actually like say, no, actually that, that this doesn't resonate with me because, you know, imperialism. And the other person can easily say like, oh, right. I like didn't get that. That totally makes sense. And now, now I get we're it. gonna move on, right? Like now I know this yeah. thing about you, yeah. you feel seen, and we're gonna have a conversation about something else. And like that's it. It doesn't have to be this mate. I mean, sometimes it is a big thing, but like it doesn't have to always be we can be authentic and not get defensive when people point out these types of things. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. beautiful. Yeah, too. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Another another place where we see Ted really intentionally connecting in is in trying to understand how to coach Jamie in the best ways, right? And so we see this character of Jamie Tart, who's clearly like, <laughs> uh, rather overconfident, but also like an excellent player, right? He Ted says he's one of the best players he's ever seen, right? Like this is there are there are things that are you know, really stand out about Jamie being loaned to the team to be able to play on this team, right? Like all these things. And we see Ted noticing dynamics already between Jamie and other players and starting to pick up on that and to address them. And there's so many good things that happen in in how he goes about that. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really like how he sees, he sees Jamie pretty quick and Jamie's like, pretty quick pretty shithead behavior like he he clocks it immediately i mean it's also not that hard to see but like he observes you watch and he sees it every time and he doesn't ever Mm -hmm. like get after him right like there hasn't been any chastising react very much yeah Yeah, a lot of times he doesn't even show him that he sees it or observes it yeah 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 (laughs) which as an aside, when we worked with the dog trainer, she was like, don't react, like, ignore the bad behavior. <laughs> so that's all I was thinking about in this that's episode. That's interesting. She was like, don't okay. don't give attention. They're looking for attention. Um, anyway, I just was thinking about that as I was watching Ted in this episode, kind of ignoring some of Jamie's behaviors, right? Like, he just doesn't acknowledge it, which is, you know, somebody who is really ego-driven who has certainly probably heard most of their life that they are a standout and they are amazing, right? They've heard a lot of accolades. They are going to be ego-driven and attention-driven. It's like, that's quite common. Um, Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. what that has created, unfortunately, is somebody who is really individualistic and self-focused and not thinking about their role within a team, which isn't great when you're playing a team sport yeah yeah and every once in a while he lets him know right like i like the scene where they're in the locker room and he's like hey jamie did you put gum in that box like i saw you 
you know, yeah. like it, it, he doesn't say I saw you. He just says, did you put, you know, did you put mm-hmm. gum in that box? And so I think when Jamie's being like the biggest jerk that he can be in these situations, right? He's he's noting. He's also saying like, I see you in that. I see you. Yeah, that's a good point. I forgot about that. How he just basically, was like, hey, did you just do that? Like, yeah, I saw you. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. not gonna yell at you, but yeah. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think that this segues nicely into just Ted's overall leadership. Like, we're already seeing why he has been loved by all of his players, and he has been successful at in the places he has coached is because he does have a really excellent approach to leadership. And one of the things that we saw in this episode is just how willing he is to ask for advice. And I guess it's worth noting, he just in general asks a lot of questions. Most people yeah. ask questions. Yeah, he's curious. Yeah, he's very curious. He's very curious. He's very curious. Yeah. 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 And we see him asking questions. Like, so early on, he goes to Rebecca and asks about getting through to Jamie because he sees already that like this is something that has to be addressed. And he goes to Rebecca, who then suggests he goes to Keeley. And so he goes to Keeley. And I think that's worth noting for a couple of reasons. One, just how willing he is very quickly to ask for advice. Like, mm-hmm. hey, yes, I know that it. I can't do this alone. Which like, in terms of leadership, it is practicing and highlighting the exact behavior you want your team or your players or whoever it is to to also utilize, right? Is thinking of yourself as one of a team. Mm -hmm. And then I also think it's just worth noting that he goes to two women for advice. And like, there, there isn't a discussion about that, but he, he's going to the people he thinks can help and they happen to be women, but I just feel like so often we don't see that happening. Um, and so I just already want to acknowledge that part of the show. I think that that is a nice way of showing like Ted, Ted Lasso is a feminist. Mm, mm, love it. Yeah. And not only, I mean, yes, yes, yes. And what I want to add to that too is, um, you know, he listens to Keely when Keely says mm. he reacts well to positive reinforcement, right? Which is actually like totally part of Dead's wheelhouse already, right? He's like, I know how to do that. Yeah. Right? He's so like, perfect. See, yes, exactly. <laughs> so we see that. Then we see him take, you know, take Jamie aside and say, you know, you are one in a million, right? Or whatever he says about yeah, like, yeah. you're an amazing athlete. You're one of the best athletes I've ever coached. He even like acknowledges specific behaviors. He says that was one heck of a goal out there, right? He like notices things where Jamie, we already know that Jamie was, I think that was the scene where he wasn't really feeling seen for the goal that he had mm-hmm. made. And so he acknowledges it. And who knows if, I mean, we we start to learn later on about Jamie's background and we don't really know any of that right now, but whether Ted knows those things or not, he's already approaching Jamie in a way that is so powerful by having positive leadership, by acknowledging him, by also calling him in, right? And saying, Mm -hmm. you could be more of a team member here in what Mm -hmm. he says. But so many powerful interactions there for those of us who might find ourselves in leadership positions and trying to think about how to motivate somebody. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I I like it so much just because you get to see like 
I think that a lot of people's tendency when they're in a leadership role is like, well, I, it, it, there's, there's too much ego, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't want mm-hmm. to bend or I don't want them to think that I think this or wh- whatever the thing is. And I think this is such a great way of showing like he can be humble. He can be kind. He can be curious and still be a really excellent leader. And I think that it like, it's easy, it's easy to be nice to Sam. Right. Like it's easy to lead with (laughs) kindness with Sam, who is kind and like already ready to be coached. He's like ready. He is there. It's easy to be nice to him. It's way harder to be nice to a Jamie. (laughs) Yeah. It just is like that takes an extra level of emotional control. I feel like over yourself. Emotional intelligence. Yeah. 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 So, so neat to see that. And I guess I just want to add one more thing while we're on the topic of willing to take advice. He even makes an advice or a, a suggestion box for the team, right? Like he, or he doesn't make it, but he has, mm-hmm. he creates a suggestion box. So he's not only asking for input from these other people about other people, but he's also asking, what can we do to make this better right away? Like he's already asking for feedback for everyone. And he even says, you know, uh, having this be anonymous might be helpful for you. You know, he's acknowledging things that are really I'm not just so cool. It's so cool. He's such a cool leader. Yeah. Also, I really loved that. This is just a little bit of a side, but I loved the scene where they're reading what everyone read. First of all, it's like wanker, wanker, wanker. <laughs> but then, <laughs> then they read one that said, uh, I hope you choke on a Big Mac. And he goes, oh, at least it's anonymous. He goes, no, Roy signed that one. I know. That's crazy. And, Beard's line reading, or reading, he goes, Roy, <laughs> and it just makes me laugh so hard every time I hear it. I don't, something about the delivery, it just kills me. And also, see more Roy Kent amazingness. Roy Kent stands by his words. He doesn't post things anonymously. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I have a crush on Roy Kent, but I think you have a serious crush on Roy Kent. Oh, I character. love Roy Kent. So I'm excited so for this further development of Marsha's crush on Roy Kent oh. and my backup crush. Um, yeah, I mean, I also want to say that Ted's great at using humor. I mean, sometimes it's really silly, but there's so many different ways that he weaves humor. In. And, and, and speaking of that suggestion box, one of my favorite lines is when um, when first of all, he's again, he's acknowledging Nate, he's bringing Nate into the conversation, right? And he has Nate make the suggestion boxes, which he does with his niece or something, right? Yeah. And I love the line where Ted says, where where they're bringing the second box out for whatever it is. Oh, the first one was a gift gift box, right? This one was a suggestion box. And he says, I love glimpses into your personal life to Nate about, about the box that's been made. And it just... You know, it's one of those sidelines, but it's so great to just both acknowledge Nate, but also there's definitely some humor in these very funny boxes that are being made. (laughs) And it, it, yeah, and and his celebration of those boxes. He's celebrating it, but he's also like, this is fascinating. (laughs) Again, curiosity. Ted Lasso is nothing if not curious. Which is a great connection to, you know, this idea that everyone's part of the team, including Nate. He's bringing in Higgins. He's bringing in Nate. He's bringing in Rebecca. Even Keely, right? Like, all of these Mm -hmm. people that we see are being integrated into the conversation and starting to feel like they have a part of an an identity within the team. Yes. Ted likes to connect people. Yeah. So what are – do you have a favorite Tedism from this episode? Um – 
I do. I have several, but I'm, I was trying to decide which one I want to pick. <laughs> I think my favorite one this episode was High Five Tree. <laughs> he high fives the coat rack tree in Rebecca's office. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> what about you? Do you have a favorite one? Well, my uh, my favorite quote this time is actually from your beloved, the beloved Roy Kent. I know it's not actually Ted saying it, but I just need to highlight it. I really, really like the scene in the shower where the shower pressure has been fixed. And Roy Kent says, careful, son, the gaffers fixed the water pressure as he is acknowledging that whichever character gets like knocked over by the the water pressure. But it also shows, I mean, part of what I love about that, not only is it, you know, this fun, funny, silly scene, but it also shows, again, Ted responding to the feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Getting something fixed that needed to be fixed. And Roy seeing it yeah, and all yeah. of that I just love. Yeah, I think that this is the first, like, you see Roy turn a little bit. Just, like, a little tiny bit with, like, oh, I mean, this is trust, right? Like, Ted asked for suggestions. They provided suggestions. And he actually listened and did that thing and yeah. that is exactly how you build trust it's yes, like yes, yes. if you do the thing you ask and then you do it there's follow yes. through and so you can see already like roy is just he's warming up like maybe he doesn't hope he chokes on a big mac anymore <laughs> oh my gosh so good uh well this episode was lovely i can't wait to watch episode three and talk more about it, which will be next week. Listeners. So follow along with us if you want to. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting. If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.